0: This is The Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News, Honest News.
1: Alabama. Alabama. Our great state.
0: The voice of Alabama values. Alabama, unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice.
2: Well, I am going to feature two more Alabama stories today. That received the most views and readings in 2023 on the 1819 News website. We're continuing with a countdown that will end on January 1st with the number one most read story. But right now we're going to start out with stories six and five. Number six is about a fight that occurred this past September in Auburn. A parking lot brawl between two males was caught on video from a nearby apartment window. The two men are seen punching each other with one man landing more blows on the other. A woman runs up to intervene and is then pushed to the ground by the more prevailing fighter. The fall causes the woman to lose consciousness. The one assailant then knocks out the other guy and then continues to pummel him on the ground while he's out cold. The story was all posted on 1819 News to help identify and catch the man. It's a very short write-up by Caleb Taylor, but it received a massive response from our 1819 News readers. Many of those who viewed the video also called for attempted murder charges to be issued against the one man. Auburn police did eventually find that suspect a week later. It turned out to be 22-year-old DeAndre Hartwell, and he is now charged with second-degree felony assault. The fifth story follows the horrific shooting that occurred in Dadeville in the middle of February of this year. A Sweet 16 birthday party for a young girl that was being held at a dance studio was brutally interrupted by gunfire, which saw four people die as a result and dozens of others injured, many severely. 1819 News reporter Erica Thomas was able to talk to a mother and son who are both paramedics and responded to the 911 calls when the shooting broke out. Alicia Morgan and Walker Kelly say they have never encountered such a mass casualty event like this, and it is beyond anything they ever trained for. Both discuss the magnitude of injury, blood, and trauma that they encountered at the scene, and then, of course, the parents showing up after the news came out, screaming from the outside of the building because they did not know where their child was and whether they were alive or not. Morgan and Kelly say they struggled greatly afterwards with what they witnessed as first responders, but they also said it's better that they experienced it having had some training than others without. Both mother and son agree that this type of call either makes you or breaks you as an EMS. For more in depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news, this is day three of a five day series on major stories occurring here in the U.S. in the past couple of years that in 2023 took a 180 turn once the actual facts came out to the public. Before those facts and evidence could be presented, the mainstream media dutifully fell in line in presenting a well-crafted and unified narrative to the American public in order to create a certain perception and conclusion about what actually happened. In the last report I did, the story that I presented was the 2020 presidential election, which is an ongoing discovery of various forms of election fraud in various states, This is all coming out much to the chagrin of those who wanted the 2020 election to never be questioned and for everyone to move on and accept the leadership coming from the person in the White House. Now, January 6th and the millions of Americans that showed up in Washington, D.C. to protest was a direct result of the 2020 election. Millions refused to deny what they witnessed on the night of the election returns or in the following days where mail-in ballots were counted and amazingly whittled away at Trump's massive lead in five swing states. Or the testimony and affidavits of many election workers in swing states on how election laws and procedures were altered or not followed or outright ignored. January 6th was an event based on questioning the results of the 2020 election and demanding action from Congress. It also became an event that was used by those who did not want to look any further into the election to portray MAGA supporters in a very bad light, all as a result of a minority of people who behaved violently at the Capitol building. For three years now, Democrats have likened January 6th to the equivalent of 9-11 in Pearl Harbor, all rolled into one.
0: The supporters of President Trump stormed
1: the U.S. Capitol building. Thousands storming the Capitol. This mob that stormed the, stormed, the stormed, the stormed the Capitol. Stormed the Capitol. Stormed the Capitol. Stormed the Capitol. Stormed the U.S. Capitol building.
0: Stormed the United States Capitol.
2: And they've tried to paint any Trump supporter as an extremist and insurrectionist who is a danger to society and democracy Until this year, when a few things happened that turned this narrative on its head. First of all, Tucker Carlson was able to view raw footage of what happened in the Capitol building, and then he reported on it using the case of Jacob Chansley as the perfect example of how the majority of J6ers behaved.
0: Here's video of Chansley in the Senate chamber. Capitol police officers take him to multiple entrances and even try to open locked doors for him. We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Jacob Chansley. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. Chansley understood that Capitol Police were his allies. Video shows him giving thanks for them in a prayer on the floor of the Senate.
2: Carlson was summarily fired from Fox News within days of that report. He then went on to re-interview the former chief of the Capitol Police, Stephen Sund, and he did so as an independent journalist because Fox News would not air that interview with Sund after he was fired. What Sund revealed to Carlson was the strange void of any intelligence on such a big event coming to the Capitol, as has been done in the past for countless other political protests, as well as planned events.
1: But coming into it, absolutely zero, with the intelligence that we know now existed, talking about attacking the Capitol, killing my police officers, attacking members of Congress and killing members of Congress, none of that was included in the intelligence coming up to
0: That you received. Correct. But others received that intelligence.
1: Well, we now know FBI, DHS, was swimming in that intelligence. We also know now that the military seemed to have some very concerning intelligence as well.
0: It's hard to overstate how strange that is, because you were in charge of the actual facility that was the focus of the of the protest.
1: Well, think about it. I'm the chief of police at the United States Capitol, probably one of the most prominent and should be the most secure building in the United States in the world. You know, you'd like to think of that. But when you look at it, and and don't take my word for it, look at, there's now four, at least four congressional reports talking about the intelligence failure, IG reports, GAO reports talking about various intelligence failures. Uh, But coming into it, you know, think about it. FBI, the Washington field office didn't put out a single document, a single official document specific to January 6th. DHS didn't put out a single official document uh, specific to January 6th. That's very unusual. I've been through many other events in Washington, D.C. FBI would host a uh, joint conference call at the least. It may be a executive jo- uh, JTTF, joint, um, joint Terrorism Task Force briefing, or an For all these big events, DHS and FBI would get together and put out something that was called a JIB, a joint intelligence bulletin, zero for January 6th.
2: The Sund interview also exposed the anomalies and reaction that was coming from those who had the power to take preventative moves long before the J6 rally and during the actual breach of the Capitol building, and how the lack of action was strangely out of sync with past behavior from the very same people who are in charge of protecting the Capitol building.
1: It doesn't make sense. Think about this. On January 5th, the day before the attack at 1 p.m., I think it's 1 or noon, um, I had a conference call with the leaders of all the law enforcement, um, Conti from uh, Metropolitan Police Department, uh, Steve D'Antuano, the um, director of the Washington Field Office for the FBI. Nobody from DHS was on. I hadn't thought about that, but all the law enforcement that was down there. I had the Military District of Washington, General Omar Jones, on the phone with me. I had the uh, head of the National Guard, uh, William Walker, General William Walker on the call. It was a call I coordinated. Not one person on that call talked about any concerns for the, the intelligence, the attack on the Capitol, the threats to officers uh, that we were seeing that was out there. That's what's that's what's scary. Congress passed a law It's 2 U.S. Uh, code 1970. Look it up. Uh, just make sure you look it up before. December 22, when they changed it, that requires me to go and get approval for bringing in National Guard or fe- federal assistance in advance, I have to go to the Capitol Police Board and get approval from congressional leadership in advance, like I did on January 3rd. I'm denied twice because of optics and because the intelligence didn't support it. So think about that. Let me ask you, who made that decision? Who denied you? Uh, I was denied by Paul Irving, House Sergeant Arms, uh, and also Mike Stenger, uh, Senate Sergeant Arms. And who on work, January 3rd. Who do they work for? Uh, it would have been a, uh, working for Pelosi on the House side, that Pelosi was his number one boss, and then uh, McConnell on the Senate side. Ah, So, so we,
0: effectively, Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi shut down your request.
1: It, it's, it's unbelievable that I'm, I'm the only chief of police in the United States that has a law preventing me, not just regulations, rules that say I got to go and get approval to bring in the National Guard, a law. So that's crazy that Congress is going to pass a law that controls. What I can do to protect the Capitol and even in emergency. So think of this. Even while we're under attack, I have to go to those same two people to request the National Guard to be brought in. 1258, I make my first call to the Sergeant Arms asking, saying, hey, it's bad. We need assistance. I need a declaration of emergency. I need to bring in the military immediately and federal resources. I'm told by Paul Irving, quote, I'm going to run it up the chain. I'll get back to you. I'm the, to the, run chain it, the chain is Pelosi. The chain is, his chain would be up to Nancy Pelosi he didn't have to do that, but he wouldn't give me authorization. The, the law says in a mercy he can grant me authorization, but he didn't.
2: Sund also spoke about the aftermath of the J6 event and the oddball calls from Nancy Pelosi for him to lose his job. And if that were not odd enough, Pelosi then sought to promote the very person who was responsible for obtaining intelligence on Capitol events to replace Sund.
1: Um, I was begging for the National Guard, refused before, refused during it. Um, we get the uh, Capitol under control. You know, I get them to where they can go back into session, 7.30. They elect to go in at 8, and then the House goes in at 9. But nonetheless, so think about this. The very next day, less than 24 hours after we got control of the, ha- the um, Capitol, Nancy Pelosi goes on national TV, blames leadership at the top of Capitol Police, calls for my resignation on national TV, and then lies about me. Okay? The very next day... The very next day, puts Yogananda Pittman as acting chief. But
0: Yogananda Pittman, uh, you just described her as the head of intelligence for Capitol Police. Correct. So if there was an intelligence failure, which again, doesn't seem like a failure, it seems very intentional to me. But if there was such a failure, she'd be responsible, correct? Or she'd be in the chain of responsibility
1: anyway. Well, I mean, she was was the head of intelligence. So if there's an intelligence (laughs) failure, (laughs) my thing is, do a proper analysis, you know, you know, why do a knee-jerk reaction? I mean, putting her in charge, I mean, she ended up getting a, a vote of no confidence. So she didn't get the position from the, uh, from the police officers because many were upset with what happened. Uh, so she- where, where did she wind up? Where is she now? Yeah. She's chief of police for the University of California, Berkeley.
0: Interesting. So right across from Nancy Pelosi's district. That is correct. In sir. the Bay Area. That is correct. So you just kind of take the Bay Bridge over there and that's- yeah.
2: The other game-changer this year in this well-crafted narrative was the full release of unedited security footage of that event. Tens of thousands of hours showing that the vast majority of those on Capitol Hill were simply protesting and that the Capitol Police whipped up the crowds by shooting rubber bullets, flashbangs, and tear gas at them for no apparent reason. Those who did enter the building walked into doors that had been initially unlocked and opened from within, not broken down, by wild rioters. The vast majority of the MAGA crowd strolled around the hallways in the building, casually acting like tourists rather than vandals or rioters or wild insurrectionists, as presented by mainstream media. Investigative journalist Laura Logan has also conducted a series of very eye-opening interviews on the events surrounding January 6th and those within Congress who are working to uncover the truth. That can all be found at the Truth in Media website. In conclusion, I am going to stick with Tucker Carlson, And his recent Instagram video post about why this continued push in mainstream media to paint January 6th a certain way and how that's all shedding light on a bigger game afoot within the mainstream media, the Democrat Party and the deep state.
0: Whatever else January 6th was, and in some ways we still don't know exactly what it was, it was not a Trump-led insurrection. The crowd had no guns. They had no plan to overthrow the government. Nothing like that has ever emerged. And above all, Trump was not leading it. He was miles away at the White House at the time, where he issued a public statement calling for calm and nonviolence. So why were the people on television telling us that Trump led an insurrection? This was, of course, a lie, but it was also a very obvious lie. So clearly we are watching the rollout of a talking point words crafted for a specific purpose. But what was the purpose? We got an answer to that question yesterday when the Colorado Supreme Court ruled that because he led an insurrection, Donald Trump's name cannot appear on the state's ballot next fall. The four liberal judges who concluded this cited as their justification article three of the 14th amendment, which was written in 1868 to keep former Confederate officials from holding office. That was the sum total of their reasoning. Despite the fact Donald Trump has never been convicted by any court of insurrection, and although the 14th Amendment specifically does not apply to the presidency, Donald Trump cannot run for president because he's an insurrectionist.
2: You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. Alabama. Alabama. Our
1: great state. Alabama. Of Alabama.
0: This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values.